The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Hey, welcome back, everyone. It's another episode of the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, where we're talking about living and working in a world where the wired, tired, and technology converge. I'm your host, Ira Wolf, and I'm here with my co-host, Keith Compagna, and our sponsors today are Jobvite and Success Performance Solutions. Uh, we've got another great guest today, Rob Kelly. He's the co-founder of OnGig. Uh, it's a job description software company. So, Keith, I mean, th- we talked with... Um, Karen Young just a few weeks ago about job descriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is good. that's from an HR perspective. Uh, now we've got it from a marketing perspective. So this should this should be uh, this should be a ton of fun. On Gig's got a lot of great uh, information out there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, mm-hmm. um, and um, I'm really excited to talk with Rob. Uh, but let's put this in perspective. Um, you know, last week we talked about. Uh, I think for the last two weeks I talked about how Amazon upstates its software every 11.6 seconds, yep. uh, which really kind of blows away this. Uh, but I, in, in prepping for the show, um, in fact, there's a, a TED Talk. I didn't even put it up yet. I, I discovered this last night. It was one of the highlights that came through yesterday. And they talked about, uh, let me see, I got it up here. Make a jobs less painful. Uh, it's it's a great it's it's only like seven minutes. Um, you know, I'll, I'm going to post it up on LinkedIn. But within there, there was a stat, uh, and, and maybe Rob can fill in the other blank here. Um, there was a stat that resumes the resume is over 500 years old, and uh, Leonardo da Vinci, who died by the way in 1519, was <laughs> the first person that actually reportedly had a resume. No doubt, uh, sort of about bio. And, you know, here we are, um, you know, 500 years, five centuries later, uh, still talking about using a resume to apply for a job. <laughs> um, so I had this idea is I wonder how old job descriptions, when was the first job description put in place? Hmm. And my expectation was I'd be able to do a search and there, there had to be some infogram. Um, there had to be somebody talking about it. The, the closest I found was a reference in a book in 1947. It was a nursing journal. And they said the first job description that was written was during World War I. <laughs> um, don't have any other history. Tried to track that down. Uh, so when you think about it, the resume, you know, how do you, how do you get a job? You put together a resume. It's 500 years old. Uh, the job description is 100 years old. And companies are still using it roughly the same way to get a job right um and so you know then we look at the the you know we look at a company like on gig who's who's sort of turning the the job description upside down and we've been talking it for months it's mm-hmm. like you, you just you know we, we, you got to market i mean you know recruitment's sure. marketing sure absolutely you know, recruitment is absolutely marketing so this should be this should be a lot of fun oh yeah um, but before we get there we usually do a little catch-up yeah sure with, you know you you've been busy yeah i, I think at, last week you were in I another was at city HR <laughs> transform in vegas uh during the show and i tell you what it's it's so wild to it's it's almost like the, the hope has been restored 
for me. Um, we get so tied up. Enrique Rubio, I ran into him. Mm-hmm. Great panelist discussion in his section in, in his sessions. Um, but we talked when he was on the show. We talked about how HR is really you know their biggest challenge is going to be getting out of their own way. Well, at HR Transform, they were talking about what to do next, and it really demonstrated to me that the path has already started to be worn down, and there is a direction that companies can go regardless of their size and regardless of their industries, and it has everything to do with change, right? It has to do with the way work is being defined. We talk about, you know, I had no idea that the job description started in the nursing industry Maybe, uh, yeah. you know, World War well, I. Yeah, I don't think it started in nursing. I think that was just the quote right. he was talking about. In 1947, he was okay. talking about how the job description needed to be reformed. Yeah, <laughs> but doesn't work need to be reformed, right? That's what we're talking yeah, about absolutely. here, right? This, this idea of work. work in and of itself needs to be, is 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 evolving. So doesn't it make sense to be able to market that? In a different way. Yeah, well, absolutely. And so, you know, as, we, as we're talking about, um, let me see, I was making a couple notes here. Um, got things like all over the place here. Like 5, one of those crazy over. mornings. My eyes are bleeding looking at your yeah. computer screen. Uh, so in, the, in this TED Talk, um, it starts out, it's only about five or six minutes, actually. It's, so it's, it's mm-hmm. not a traditional TED Talk. You know, they talk about applying for a job is one of the worst digital experiences of our time. Amen. You know, uh, applying for a job in person really isn't much better. Better. Uh, hiring, as we know it, is broken on many fronts. Uh, it's just a terrible experience. Uh, 75% of people who applied for a job last year, we've talked about this a million times, you know, this is all sure. over my presentation. Um, 75% of people who applied for a job never heard back from their employer. Yep. And 46% of employees who either get fired or quit within the first year of starting their role. Now, this isn't all just because of a, of, of a job description, but the, the job description is just one symptom because, right. you know, and, and then the other powerful thing, and you, you again, you've heard me say this, and, and I know you're, you're on board with it. If we only look at what people have done in the past, we're not going to be able to hire people for jobs that need to get done in the future uh, because some of those jobs uh, just didn't exist. And, uh, you know, you, the, you know, the stat that I, I suggest, uh, you know, everybody take heed to is that two thirds of all jobs will be one third automated within the next few years, yep. which means it doesn't mean you get to go home, um, you know, at 27 hours after, after you put 27 hours in, it just means that you're going to have to have different skills, better skills, uh, be more productive uh, during that period of time. And the organization that recognizes that by training those employees that they have today, to develop those skills will not only hold on to those employees, but will be able to grab other employees from other companies because word of mouth is really what matters anymore. Yeah. And it's just fascinating to see how, and I think Rob's going to be able to talk about this a bunch. I'm pumped he's on the show. But the, you know, a lot of the feedback from HR Transform was debating where that employee experience really begins. And if you're going to bring somebody in on the candidate side, isn't that really where it starts, the inta- yeah. the relationship? Yeah. Uh, well, there's so many things. that It's just been this crazy week of, of different things that have popped up. But uh, just the other day, um, I, there was – I can't even remember if it was an article or a video or something. And they said – you know, we talk about the candidate experience. Mm-hmm. They say it it was it's the candidate's experience. Yeah. Apostrophe S. And they said it it's the, the apostrophe S, the candidate's experience right. is deliberate. And it's because you the can it, it candidate experience just sounds like a corporate 
strategy. Mm -hmm. Candidate's experience means standing in the shoes of the candidate and and an individual candidate, not that one candidate looks like the other candidate. It needs to be personalized, uh, which completely takes, you know, takes this to another level. So that's probably a a good segue. By the way, just a reminder to anybody that's listening today live, uh, you can call us at 561-623-9429-651-561. Six two three nine four two nine. With any questions, comments, um, other sure. topics you got in your mind, if you got a question for uh, Keith, uh, myself, or, or Rob. Um, so let's. Who's I guess this it's Rob time guy? To do, yeah, who's yeah, this Rob, Rob Kelly guy? So Rob Kelly. Um, we we actually this is the first time we've actually had a conversation. He and I have been going back and forth for a week or so on uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, he is a four time CEO. That means he's crazy. He's the author, proud father of a preemie toddler, Maverick. Nice. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, he's currently the CEO of OnGig. Uh, it's a software company specializing in transforming the job description. A um, couple other things. Uh, Rob was previously head of a dating uh, of, of a company in dating advice. Nice. So that certainly fits into uh, recruitment and, and job matching. <laughs> uh, healthcare and life music. Um, I will post his resume up on online later. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, he's an author of a book, The Enlight- an Enlightened Entrepreneur. Uh, Fifty-seven meditations on kicking. Uh, well, kicking I, I guess we can say names. that. Yeah, kicking ass <laughs> in business and and life. Uh, does a lot of writing. Got a bunch of degrees, uh, more than I even do. Uh, and uh, I, I guess the most important thing is. Um, got to find out he was entered into the Guinness World Book of Records uh, just by showing up, which was my experience just a couple yeah. weeks ago, too. So we'll have to see. Maybe maybe he was in the room <laughs> nice. uh, or maybe he was on the field with me. So, hey, Rob, you there? I'm here. Welcome. Okay. So, I, I mean, the most important question is, is how did you get in the World Book of Records? Uh, first, um, Aaron Keith, so good to meet you. You've, you've done an awesome job. I've been listening to some of your episodes and um, before we dive into that I just got to ask how did you two meet how did this magic happen uh, I was on stage and Keith was my became my groupie no no no, no. <laughs> I was on stage too by the way we so. met at a disrupt HR event where Ira was discussing his newly released recruiting in the age of Googleization and I was starting my personal brand presenting a notion called work-life integration and calling BS on the failed HR policy of work-life balance. And then within a couple of weeks, we had caught up with each other. And by that time, I had moved over into Jobvite, uh, selling software in the recruiting industry. And from there, Ira and I uh, really aligned. And then he started doing local uh, workshops. And I would pr- I promote his workshops to, to companies that I'm looking to work for because it's full of value. And it certainly speaks to the primary challenges. And I became the groupie. I know his content. And then uh, uh, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we live, uh, well, we, we live at the opposite ends of the Lehigh Valley, but we're, well, we're, we're close. Fantastic. Well, you're doing a magical uh, job here, and, and I appreciate uh, you sharing it with me today. Yeah, thank you. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, you know, you heard me talking about uh, the, the uh, job descriptions. By the way, do you know the history of a job description? You know, it's so funny that you, you bring that up, Ira. Um, done a lot of research on this, and, and you're right. It, it was actually, it, it's hard to find the true origin. I can tell you that, um, and if you uh, Google 
sort of on-gig job descriptions or just job descriptions, uh, plural, you'll find this. We actually write up a little history of at least what we found, and we're not claiming it's perfect. But really what we found was, you know, in the 1400s when Gutenberg did the printing press, that started to change things. A couple hundred years later, um, in, in uh, the first newspapers started to come out and started to put what they would call classified ads. And classified meant things were classified into groups like ads for housing and ads for jobs. And so, you know, it's at least, uh, it's at least a few hundred years old, um, the first job description, and, and some feel older than that, as you were pointing out earlier. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So, so I mean, obviously, you, you know, you've been from dating service, healthcare, music, uh, you know, you're a writer, you've written the book, entrepreneurship. Um, how did you get into job description software? I mean, you know, I'm sure you were a little kid and say, this is what I want to be when I grew up. You know, it's funny. I know no one says that, um, right? No one says they want to be in HR either <laughs> or or in sales or in marketing. You know, I've got a three-year-old son and he, trust me, all he's talking about these days is being a, you know, a firefighter or being a, a drone flyer. He's fascinated with drones flying him around. Yeah, it's, it's amazing yeah. how that firefighter thing just sticks. I mean, oh, yeah. you know. It, Save the day. That, that seems to go th- across the decades, across generations of that's what you want to be when you grow up. <laughs> it's true. And notice that we got to gender neutralize it. It's not fireman anymore. It's yeah, firefighter, firefighter, right? Firefighter. Yeah. That's right. Sal- yeah. Salesperson. Well, we're definitely going to talk about gender bias. Uh, yeah. You, I, I love what you you're doing with that so good i can't wait um yeah the way the reason that that this happened a couple kind of key moments in my life back in uh in the early 90s i met craig newmark of craigslist and i saw how important job postings were on craigslist like up front like sitting Mm -hmm. there with him in his office in san francisco early days of the internet and i was fascinated that that was driving it he had no idea that would that would generate 90 percent of his revenue and the guy's gone on to give away a bunch mm-hmm. of money and build a really cool thing. Um, that got me thinking. I kind of deposited that away and I just sort of was keeping track of it. And then you mentioned the dating uh, advice world. I work for um, Double Your Dating and Hot Topic Media and we basically mostly help single men, later some women, um, find uh, get more confident and more successful at dating. During that time, in around 2008 or so, I got to meet a guy named Brad Smart of Top Grading fame. Mm-hmm. He yep. wrote the book Top Grading. This yep. guy's a hiring nerd, and that's the greatest compliment I pay. Uh, I hope someone calls me a hiring HR nerd. He just knows his stuff. Yep. And he started to go through about the cost of a mishire and the data he had mm-hmm. from working with General Electric. And he mentioned to me when he started to say, you hire a poor salesperson, um, Keith, you could appreciate this, right? Um, that a poor salesperson could cost you, you know, 10, 15, 20 times that person's annual salary. Mm-hmm. And I was scratching my head saying, how does that work? Okay, you hire someone for at the time, I was thinking, all right, 50K or something. How could that be, you know, a $500,000, million-dollar mistake? And he just said, well, they stay on for years. Um, They infect other, you know, uh, A players at the job, um, these poor hires. And basically, when you total it up, GE and others were telling him it cost, you know, could cost up to, you know, six figures, seven figures for some jobs. So I inverted that. I said, well, what if you had a good hire? What if you had an awesome hire? How much is it worth if we could hire Ira or Keith, right? Keith to sell for us. Well, when I inverted that, I did some research on this. The very best one hire 
of your next 100 hires, if you're leading talent or recruiting or HR, can be worth $30 million per year, your best one hire of the next 100 in general, if you want to be an S&P 500 company. And so as I started to do that math, I said, you know, a hire is a million-dollar transaction, whether mm-hmm. it's costing you or Absolutely. making you money. And yep. then I started to look back at what Craig Newmark and others were doing for job ads. And no offense to him, he's laughing his way to the bank, um, made a ton of money and still doing great. I said, there's got to be a better way for the job description, the job posting, the job ad than static text that looks like it's written like a legal contract. Oh. This is a million dollar transaction. We could do better than this. And that's what got me into on gig. Love it. Yeah, super. And and along the way, by the way, you know, I, I know you've you you, you just mentioned uh, Craig Newmark, but you've also uh, in a prior career, I guess, how you got started. You, you mentioned that you you had interviewed Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Andy Grove. I mean, some of the real big hitters. Yeah, I was real lucky. I started off writing about tech, and so it was my job to chase these guys around and. Bill Gates when Windows 95, for those of you who can remember that, when that oh, came yeah. out, you know, I was over at oh, the yeah. Moscone Center. Um, in, this is in 1995, by the way. Right. That's why I was named. You know, I was at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. I snuck backstage because he, he's giving the keynote, and I would just say, hey, Bill, so tell me, what, you know, what are the top three things about Windows 95? And it was my job to write an article about them, so I just got kind of – I was a little bit of a hustler. Um, about things like that. And then really uh, my favorite story, because it shows a lot about the man and and how humble truly um, life can be even for superstars, is that late at night down in San Francisco, um, I was writing my article about to file it for Information Week magazine, an article on, uh, on, a, on a new technology company. And I tried to get the CEO to call me back and I arranged with his PR person everything to set up an interview, and he refused. And it's about 6.30. So lucky that I stayed late that night. Phone rings. I don't know if you remember this. This is back when to record a call, you had to have a special device that you plug in. Like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had one of those. Yeah. Oh, gigantic yeah. box. Go to, radio, go to Radio Shack and, and get yeah. the box. Yeah. So I usually had that thing by my desk and you know for interviews and things. But anyway, the phone rings, and, uh, and the guy says, hey, it's Steve. And I said, Steve who? <laughs> you know, it's kind of at the end of my day. I was probably a little short. And he said, right. Steve Jobs. And I just said, get the hell out of here. <laughs> the, who is this? One of my buddies from high school just, you know, um, jazzing me. And, and basically, uh, he said, no, I, I get that all the time, Rob. It's just really Steve Jobs. <laughs> and I, I could recognize his voice. And, uh, you know, he gave me an hour of time. Later on, I got to interview him uh, again and uh, talk to him in public um, uh, on YouTube. It's There's a bunch of that on there. And basically, though, what, the thing I learned about that is even who many consider now the greatest inventor, at least of our time, and perhaps he'll go down as one of the greatest inventors ever, you know, even Steve Jobs needs something once in a while, needed something. And that day... His company next, they weren't doing so great. He was in between mm-hmm. his Apple CEO jobs, and Steve needed something, and he had to put in the time. And I remind people that Steve Jobs was not always the mock turtleneck jeans guy with his New Balance sneakers playing that part. He either used to show up in sandals in the early days. Later on, he had to show up in suits to pitch people, and he had to reach out to little old Rob Kelly, a cub reporter, and get the interview and get some press because he had to sell. Yeah. Right? 
which we all yeah. have to do. So let me ask you this, Rob. Um, you know, Ira mentioned earlier when we were talking how I became a groupie. I really feel like I'm becoming a, a groupie of yours right now. Um, <laughs> I just, I, 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 right. Yeah, no, we're, I'm going to follow up and maybe stalk you a little bit. But my curiosity here, I get the opportunity to ask one of my favorite questions. What did you learn? What was it that you were able to take? And as you're witnessing these mind-blowing trailblazers, in San Francisco, in the 90s, creating a world that didn't exist. What was it that you learned that really helped guide you to the to the entrepreneur, to the business leader, to the thought leader you are today? You know, the focus. Great leaders are focused and they simplify. So Gates always impressed me the most. I got to interview him in a more proper setting after chasing him backstage you know, sit down with him in his office uh, for an hour and some other times. And um, what really impressed me with Gates was his singular focus on software for all those years. You know, he just unwavering. I mean, only until recently did Microsoft get into, relatively get into Xbox and other hardware and gear. And that focus on software was just incredible. Uh, He could have gone so many different directions. And then with Jobs, I mean, everyone knows this. It was just his attention to detail with creating a beautiful computer. And when he went off to Next, he built what he wanted to at Apple, you know, um, before and after he got fired. And he just kept talking to me that that evening saying, you know, Rob, this is how it's going to be. We're going to have a beautiful computer on our desks. And it's going to be, he didn't say in his hand, in in my hand, by the way, not only Steve Steve Jobs didn't know that yet. Right. He, he was working on it. But I learned that those two things, focus and simplification on what, what you're doing as a leader is what it's all about. So I try to borrow from, from those guys. Awesome. And Thank gals. I've met and gals. Women yeah. too. So, so, Rob, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I got your site pulled up here. I'm just looking over. It's like, okay, where do we start? I mean, let's, you know, let's, let's focus and get to our discussion about job description. Um you know, as I'm looking here, I guess there's three areas, and this is what I, I work in. And I'm going to be at the Sherm New York City on Friday and then Sherm Talent uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. And then, How do you have time to do this podcast? <laughs> I have you no two, idea. You two are both at either Sherm, HR Transform, or something <laughs> yeah. else yeah. every week, it seems like. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the season has begun. Um, but uh, you know, when I'm out, I mean, my presentation is, you know, I've got a whole section about how the jobs description can't be a copy and paste anymore. Can't be that legal document. Can't look like an IKEA job description, you know, a a set of instructions. Um, you know, you got to create a picture, tell a story. So, you know, I'm I'm looking at just one aspect of what on gig does. And you talk about creating that positive sentiment, being more readable, removing gender bias. So let's talk about each of those. Um, you know, one is the readability. Uh, you know, I, again, I, 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 I have a suggestion for during the presentations that um, I, I put job descriptions in a word tag, uh, you know, a, a word tag, a cloud. Word a cloud. cloud yeah. yeah, word cloud uh, generator. 
And I say, this is how it pops up. I mean, this this is what you emphasized. And usually it's on adjectives. It's like the, <laughs> you know, or compliance right. or, uh, I mean, it, it's not on any, the, the job the description isn't even search optimized. So, you know, so, and it's not very readable. I mean, it's a legal document with a lot of bullets. So, you know, let, let's talk about how you help companies make it more readable, create a more positive impression. Yeah, there's something real counterintuitive, and you know, you you know your stuff. I've listened to it. I've heard you talk about job titles and um, and SEO. Obviously, it's in in your title here. By the way, do you call it internally? Do you call this like something different? Is it like three G, triple G, G three? <laughs> yeah, G three. Yeah, three G three. There you go. Yeah, it's G G G. Yeah, it's it's actually the short version of this is the G G G Show dot live. You know. Nice. But- G- well, if you put on a big event, G3 Summit is not a bad first starting Oh, event. that's cool. Hey, thanks. Take that. Yeah. I, I'm sure you've thought of all the variations of that before. Uh, oh, yeah. And then I get another idea two minutes later. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? So what's fascinating about readability of job descriptions, you know, mostly they're – because they're written either by a HR and not a recruiting or sales type person or copywriter – They're often written by a formal HR person or a busy recruiter or a busy hiring manager. Then you get this hodgepodge, as you've pointed out, of content and text that reads more like a legal contract or just just poorly written copy. So, you know, readability you asked about, there's a real counterintuitive lesson with readability, which is People want to read at a very low reading level when they read good ads. So this is counterintuitive. For instance, an Apple ad is written at the, you know, the here's to the crazy ones, that ad where they said here's to the misfits, the rebels, and they showed, you know, mm-hmm. Einstein right. and all right. that. You know, that ad is written at, according to OnGig software, at the third and a half grade level, between third wow. and fourth grade. Um, interestingly, Mark Twain's at around the fifth grade level, Hemingway's sixth grade level, Harry Potter's seventh grade level, if you like them. Warren Buffett, when he re- writes to his billionaire friends, or maybe just sent a millionaire friends, um, <laughs> is at the eighth and a half grade level. Job descriptions, New York Times is at ninth and a half grade level. Job descriptions are written at, at a minimum, typically at the 11th grade level, often up to the equivalent of a master's level you know multiple graduate sometimes degrees. you need a law degree right but, but let me let me could if i because mm-hmm. i think i know where you're going here oh we're going to do a break soon yeah so oh, yeah here we're, we go, we're actually uh, run, running up i mean this is like moving crazy fast well, teaser. Uh, but you, yeah teaser, but you, are, right. you are listening to the geek skeezers and googleization show we're with rob kelly today from on gig we're talking about the job description uh and there's so much to to, to, to talk about um but we do need to take a quick break we'll be right back Uh, in two minutes, and we'll continue the discussion uh, about the readability, uh, gender bias, and a whole lot of other topics related to job descriptions. Stay tuned. Behind everything you're searching for is something you're actually looking for. When you search with the real yellow pages, you get more than a contractor. You get a whole new curb appeal. It's not just getting directions to a dry cleaner with YP.com. It's rescuing an old favorite from the back of the closet. And it's more than finding a locksmith with YP.com on your mobile. It's getting to sleep in your own bed. Whatever it might be, there are more ways to search and more ways to find exactly what you're looking for with the real yellow pages, YP.com, and YP.com on your mobile, only from AT&T. 
What's up, everyone? This is Keith from the Geek, Skeezers, and Googleization Show, powered by Jobvite. Jobvite knows career paths are made by people, not by open job requisitions. Jobvite's platform ties recruitment marketing directly to applicant tracking and onboarding, creating continuous candidate engagement that effectively connects recruiters with qualified passive candidates. Used by over 50,000 recruiters placing over 1 million jobs, Jobvite's platform impacts every company in every industry. Check us out at jobvite.com. Listen carefully. Up to 9 out of 10 job candidates visiting your company career page leave before completing an application. You heard that right. 90% of candidates who want to apply for a job at your company don't. That's just plain crazy, especially in today's tight labor market. Candidate experience matters. Stop turning candidates away. Let Success Performance Solutions help. Call us at 800-803-4303 or register at SuccessPerformanceSolutions.com slash W4CY. Schedule a no-obligation consultation and get special access to insider tips to recruit faster and hire smarter. Welcome back to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ivor Wolf. I'm here with Keith Compagna, my co-host today, and our very special guest, Rob Kelly from OnGig. Uh, we're talking about job descriptions, and it's far from the boring subject that many of you think it might be. Uh, hey, Rob, when we left off, we were talking about the, the readability of the job description, some amazing stats you gave. Um, you know, even Warren Buffett uh, talking to millionaires about uh, billions and billions of dollars where to put his money. You know, writes on a what did you say, like an eighth grade level somewhere yeah. around there. You know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and New York Times is ninth grade level. Uh, so you know, one is you know we, we can talk about the readability. One is taking it down a notch, and uh, you know, not only. On on the words that are used, but make it readable. I mean, that somebody wants to pick it up and read it. You know, nobody wants to read through fifteen bullet points of of uh, essential re responsibilities. Um, but uh, you know, you have this on the website. It's that a single word in your job description could equal a negative candidate experience. A single negative word. Um, can what are what are some examples that you've come across that that people do? And this probably plays into the next area I want to go is gender bias, which is huge. You know, especially with you know every day now you're talking to there's more talk about the Me Too movement and how things we got away with just four or five years ago are are now you're going to turn someone off. So let's start with the positive sentiment. Uh, you know, what 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 are some of the negative words that that you often see in job descriptions that turn off people well we're starting to put the negative words into what we call exclusionary words as a bucket in general and gender is the big one people talk about but i'm going to give you some examples of non-gender ones too um, if you go on indeed or a job board um, go up go look at the following phrase that is in many tech jobs and that is um, that the candidate is required to have experience with a with the master slave data architecture database architecture master slave hmm. two, two <laughs> words and you're going to turn off a whole bunch of candidates sure, right? sure. Um, a big cable company 
um, tried to be clever, which is a bad move in job descriptions in general, uh, especially with titles, by the way, but tried to be clever. They're hiring cable, you know, the guys who go out, the guys and gals who go out and, and install your cable TV. Right, right, right. Out. Yep. And they said, hey, um, we're really into customer service. We're looking for the driving Miss Daisy type attitude. Remember the movie Driving Miss Daisy? Yeah. So, um, so, so, so going for a millennial or going for anybody that's under 40, probably, who's never seen Miss Daisy, they don't even know what it's about. Right. And for those, and the, those that do, you offended them, right? Yes. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and then, um, you know, interestingly, too, we go deeper on things like, um, well, with age bias, if you use a phrase like digital native, you should be a digital native. Well, you're turning off some potential. You better make sure you really want a digital native or someone um, who's born in this uh, this sort of generation okay. of yeah. technology. Um, because otherwise, you're going to turn off uh, you know some more experienced pros who who say, well, no, nah, it's born before then. But you know they could be a master at uh, WhatsApp marketing. So right. you're better off saying what you need in that case that you need an expert at WhatsApp marketing. You need someone with a couple years experience at WhatsApp marketing or Facebook marketing or PPC on Google um, and not uh, not a digital native. And in fact, that could get you sued for uh, discrimination from the age bias uh, uh, act. So, you know, you got to be careful. One word can turn off a candidate and one word can get you in, into a lawsuit. So have you seen a, an uptick on, on uh, I guess, uh, business or clients approaching you, uh, especially with gender bias, uh, is is that is there even an awareness of that? That job descriptions have many job descriptions have that bias. Oh, absolutely, we get it. Uh, that's our main increase these days. Our folks in, are interested in on gigs, job description software to solve the problem of uh, gender bias, and uh, it starts there. And then they're interested in other bias too. Uh, some examples I just gave, but gender bias is huge, getting um, hiring more women, just having the job postings be gender neutral as a, you know, as a goal, um, as a uh, sometimes coming right down from the CEO. I think it's up to 500 plus CEOs who have signed that pact um, that they're going right. to uh, make sure that uh, they're a diverse, have a diverse workforce. The CEO action diversity, I think it's called. Right. I got a question for you, Rob. Uh, we're, now we're talking about the nitty gritty of, of making change inside of HR. And, and to your, your on-point examples, the reality is, is that HR is inherently going to react based off of risk management or risk aversion. The challenge is, is that we, we all know, we're, we're very familiar with the idea that HR is challenged with finding vendors, going through a business case, building the value so that they can get the money from the CEO and the CFO, excuse me, so that they can actually implement and then they need to train their staff to use the software effectively. For our listening audience out there that's trying to get out of their own way, what have you seen work inside of the organizations that, are, that you've worked with that help them build that business case? Or were you fortunate enough that everybody contacted you because the CEO told them to? <laughs> I wish that was the case. You know how that goes. That'd be nice. Bluebirds, as they call them, yep. coming to your window. Um, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, a couple things. One is that, um, well, using that example of, hey, you know, an HR leader can go to their 
head of HR, if they're not the head already, or go to their leadership, CEO, CFO, CEO, and say, um, hey, how come we're not one of those top 500 companies whose CEOs are agreeing to make uh, diversity a priority? Um, why can't we join in you know, on that? And they can make it an initiative themselves. I tend to take a bottom line approach to this, and you're in sales, um, Keith, so I'll, I'll give you this example. Most, I don't know if this is how Jobvite is or most companies that I know, when you look at their sales teams, most companies I talk to are um, typically around 70-30 men, maybe 60-40, something around there. And there are exceptions, certainly. Um, but in general, I'd say if I, if I talk to 20 companies, you know, 19 of them are in that range. So it's been proven, no offense, Keith, it's been proven women are just as good as, as men at sales. None and taken. In, and in fact, a little bit better in a couple of studies, just statistically slightly better, a little more empathy and things like that. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, I talk to heads of sales sometimes even and heads of HRs and they're wor working together. And I say, well, hey, look at your job descriptions. I can tell you they're gender biased. I'm looking right here, just like most of them. Our software says it's gender biased. Do you realize Mrs. Head of Sales or Mr. Head of Sales, usually Mr. Head of Sales, unfortunately, do you realize that you could get an uptick in the caliber of sales pros that you hire if you just gender neutralize all your sales job postings? Who are you losing out because they didn't give you an at-bat because you turned off a woman who was better right. than guy you hired because you only had two people come in for the interview and they're both guys right. so that so, hits bottom line so on, on the flip side of that uh you know i mean technology is notoriously male dominated uh as is a lot of healthcare, especially in nursing do you is do you see the reverse situation happening that it's so female specific that um you know, people are now looking for ways to attract males into, you know, or vice versa. Obviously, te technology is male dominated. So, you know, you've been talking about that. But like in nursing, sure. Uh, you know, 90, I think the last statistic I knew is like 92% of oh, yeah. RNs are, are uh, female. Female, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you nailed it. We're just starting to see um, healthcare companies coming to us. And as you know, both of you know, hiring a nurse and is one of the hardest positions for many healthcare companies, just getting a registered nurse, um, depending on where you are in the country, but um, super hard problem to solve. And you're right, vast majority are women, and there's some great, you know, one of our favorite nurses was a man who helped deliver our little uh, boy, Maverick, and, um, and, you know, that's a huge problem to solve. So, yes, we're starting to see that. So... So we're, you know, again, we, every week we end up talking a lot about recruitment marketing. You know, you've, if you've if if you've read or heard any of my stuff out there, Rob, you know, I'm talking about the basics. I mean, th this is new to HR and recruiters, but it's for digital marketers. It's 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 old stuff. So, you know, again, I'm looking at your website here. You talk about the most effective job description content. And currently, I, I, I don't know what the percentage is, maybe you know, of how many job descriptions are just strictly text. Uh, I, you know, it's got to be probably 90 percent, maybe, maybe greater. More. It's got to be more. Yes. Than that. Yeah. So but you look as what do you add? Now, some of the stuff I wouldn't have even thought of. 
you know, video, I've been suggesting for a while, add a video to your job description. Sure. Um, add images, you know, at minimum. If you don't want to do a video, add an image. And, you know, and a stat that you quoted is content that includes a picture produces 650% more engagement than text-only content. You know, I've seen that that as high as 1,200%, you know, higher. Um, but then you talk about, this, this was interesting. I mean, talking about the ratings, right in the job sure. description, talking about your Glassdoor ratings, you know, what other jobs do you have available you know maybe this one doesn't suit you um but you talked about comments you know adding comments and chat right into the job description i mean that, that, that's really cool i mean what how, how does that work well let me tell you so there and you've i've i've listened to a bunch of your um shows on where you talk about video and and visual uh job postings and the importance of that with candidate experience and others so i know i know we're on that same bus together we kind of, we lucked out. What we found out early on was we started to, to test things. What happens if you add a video to a text-only job description? So we did it. And what we found was a couple things. One was that the candidate spent more time on the page. It went up from, and you've reported on this on one of your shows, I forget which one, but how, um, you know, the average time on a job description is around 30, 40 seconds, something like that. By the way, on mobile, we found it's as low as just two or three seconds. Oh, yeah. With yep. an eight yep. player. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Eight player is gone after two or three. So um, we added video and, and some pictures, and we started to look. We saw an uptick on time on page, as you both know, key statistic in Google Analytics. And then we said, okay, well, let's look at some, adding some other things. We did that only because we said the modern-day job page, whether you're going after millennials or great passive, you know, more experienced candidates, you know, what page on the web are they looking at? that doesn't have a hero piece of media, you know, that doesn't look like it's a magazine article, right? I mm-hmm. mean, unless they're looking at law journals or medical journals, that's the modern day job page. So we started there and we saw the uptick in time on page. We said, what else could we do? So to your point, we started to look at what if we added their glass door ratings and reviews onto the job posting? What would happen? And what we found was it was amazing. If you add, it depends on your rating. First yeah, off, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, candidates love it, by the way, no matter what the rating is. Candidates love it. They say, oh, transparent company. Like they're just putting this up there. This is great. But we found, I'm just looking at the stats here, apply rates go up 52% to 59% if you've got a glass rating of three or higher and you put up your glass door info, you can see apply rates go up 50 plus percent higher. And that's just at a rating of three or higher on Glassdoor, which most employers should at least have that. Right. Yeah, they got bigger problems. If not, they should be working towards (laughs) it. They should be working on it. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So we started to add what we call on um, recruiting widgets onto the job posting. The video and pictures are kind of the biggest widget, but they're the hero media. That's kind of table stakes. But then we started to add like a Glassdoor widget. What would happen if you added a map? Because candidates want to know what the commute is or how quick they can mm-hmm. get to the job. And, and an address is almost never in a job posting. You don't actually know where it is. Well, San Francisco, right. well, where? Right, right. yeah, it could be hours difference, yeah. <laughs> yeah, people will move and go to jobs for various reasons, as you both know. So we started to do these recruiting widgets, chat you mentioned, and some others. We even do how walkable or bikeable a job is. 
Candidates love that. They want to bike to work or is it transit friendly near restaurants? And we saw huge upticks on the time on page and Entrepreneur Magazine wrote a nice piece on us on OnGig about this, where basically we had the highest time on page and and with, you know, up to three, four, five, six minutes a candidate. It was like a mini recruiter meeting the candidate was having and all they were doing was interacting with the job posting. How about it? Hey, Rob, keeping an eye on the clock here, uh, I want to change lanes a little bit. One of, I'm going to liberate one of Ira's favorite questions, and that is to say, let's get you back on the show a year from today, right? <laughs> what is it that you think we're talking about a year from now? Or what would you like to be talking about maybe in a year from now? There'll be a lot of talk still about AI. Like AI is going to be the big talk for the foreseeable future, and because it relates to HR, as you two have covered, you know a bunch. Um, whether it's going to replace people or not, and and my view, by the way, is that you know new technology is represents us. So it's what we do with it. If we're jerks in the world, we're going to sure. do jerky things. If we're awesome people, we're going to do awesome things, and it'll create tons of jobs. So I believe I'm an optimist in life, and I believe it'll all work out. We'll use AI to do awesome things. It'll replace some people, but it'll create massive amounts of jobs. But back to the job description, it's still going to be here. It's going to continue to transform, and it's still going to be as your guest. Who was it that was on recently talking about? She was great. Um, Karen Karen Young? She said the job description is the hub. And it has spokes reaching out to all the other things, recruiting and um, talent management and onboarding and everything else. Um, that's still going to be right there and always will be because you need a piece of job content to sell the job. How about it? So we're about uh, – it's unbelievable. This, I, I think this yep. hit the record for fast-moving show. Uh, we're about thanks five for, minutes for from, the energy, uh, from getting kicked off the air here. Uh, <laughs> Rob, I guess one of the questions I have is a lot of uh, both Keith and I, we, we, we run across a lot of small businesses. Uh, I mean, how, how do people purchase on gig? I mean, can they – is is it a contract? Can they purchase the access for one job description? What what's the process and and how do they do that? How do they get in contact with you? Yeah, was well, as, as Keith, I'm sure can appreciate. It's, it's enterprise software. It's okay. as a subscription, much like Jobvite, mm-hmm. and you typically um, subscribe to it as an enterprise. You know, um, mm-hmm. okay, not, as a company, right? Yep. Yeah, we're not uh, we're not doing anything for individuals right now. Sorry, to tiny. Yeah, how, how small a company are you? Right. Are you a fit for? I mean, how I guess how affordable is, is a subscription? We we focus on people hiring at least a hundred people per year. Okay. All right. That's fair. Yep. Cool. And so they subscribe, um, and you know it's typical enterprise software type uh, um, type investment. Although we make it real easy, it's very flat rate, um, so you can control it within your budget. We show you how to makes work uh, makes mm-hmm. the ROI work. Excellent. Yeah, and from I mean, again, I've been following you guys for a long time, so I'm I'm really honored that you you accepted the invitation to be part of the show. Oh, come on! Uh, but you, you guys, I mean, your blogs are outstanding, and, and just looking at this, I mean, there are there are you know, if the company's only got 25 employees and they only hire once a year, uh, there are ways. I mean, take some of your examples, you know, add a video, add a picture, uh, add a map. I mean, there are so many different ways that uh, they can learn from you, even if they don't use your software. You guys are 
you know, crazy in transparency. I mean, it sounds like you give away all your trade secrets, you know, right here. Um, but uh, you're doing some good stuff. How does, you know, how, what's the best ways to get in contact with you, uh, get in contact with on gig? Yeah, I'd say two things. One is you just brought it up. Um, you know, go check out our content. It's all free. We don't even do, you know, I can't say we won't do it one day, but we don't do, we don't ask for like your emails and other things to get into a PDF or something. We just write what we think is going to help. And we do it selfishly too, of course. We, we write good content in the hopes that the right prospects and partners will, will see it and say, ah, oh, that's me. I resonate with that. And, and the heroes of the world, the HR and the talent leaders will say, wow, Angig's thinking about this. Maybe I should talk to them. And if you like the content and like our values and principles, then, you know, we got that good old demo request button in the upper right. <laughs> yeah. Click it. And trust me, it'll go to, I see every one of them and it'll go to our team. And, and one of us will uh, spend some time with you and see if we can solve your problems, help you with them. Yeah. And, and how accessible are you if somebody wants to reach out to you? Rob at OnGig.com or on LinkedIn. I promise if they reference this show especially, it'll get immediate attention, and I'll read it eventually no matter what. This guy is awesome. I appreciate it. Any uh, closing words, words of wisdom, Rob? You never asked that. We never finished on the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, that's right. How did you get in? How did I get in? I didn't th- <laughs> it just showed up. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much showed up. My, uh, we were on actually two weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, basically, they had the largest human shamrock in Elmira, New York. And uh, my nephew was uh, in charge of it. He's a meteorologist up there. And uh, we got to stand in the middle of a baseball field and become part of the largest, the human, the, the world's largest human shamrock. That nice. was you. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> well, real quickly, I know we got to close up. For me, it was back in, it was back, I believe it was back in 1995. I was in Nashville, Tennessee on that little riverbank over there. And basically, um, folks were handing out guitars. And I said, what's going on? And they said, we're going to try to enter the Guinness Book of World Records, largest number of people ever playing for the longest period of time. And so fast forward, we had um, 1,500 people playing for 55 minutes, one song, Twist and Shout by the Beatles. Nice. (laughs) And we won it. We got in. And I will never play that song again. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, hey Rob, this has been an absolute pleasure. Um, appreciate you being here again. Our guest today on the Geek Skeezers and Google Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. <laughs> Almost got through without Almost stumbling over there. it. Um, uh, you know, Rob. Um, hey, thank you. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. Uh, for those who. Um, uh, uh, going to be in New York, Sherm. I'll yep. be there Friday, uh, Sherm Talent. I'll be there Tuesday and Wednesday. Northeast Pennsylvania, Sherm. I'll be there Thursday. Um, Keith, you're here. Right? Yeah, you're, I'm you're, here. I'm going to be getting you're back in the to my, Valley. I'm going to be getting out of my bit. comfort zone yeah. even that much more, getting back to the LinkedIn video blogs, and yeah. uh, I'm going to cool. start writing my own stuff. So look for that on the profile. Good. Keith and I, are, you do an awesome job. Congrats on this show. Thank you. Hey, Thank thanks you very, very much, Rob. Robbie. A pleasure. You've been listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show, where we bring you topics and thought leaders discussing a future of work where the tired, the wired, and technology converge. Until next Wednesday and every Wednesday after that, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY.com or iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Spotify. Stitcher, 
uh, Google Play, you name it. We're on, I think, 20 different podcasts. Uh, replay will be up uh, hopefully by Friday, definitely by the weekend. This is your host, Ira Wolf, your, my co-host, Keith Compagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans. Mm-hmm.